Well, uh, good morning, and it's uh, good to be back again. I mean, uh, I, I preached here in March just before we went online, and uh, so it's good to be with you again. We started coming back about a month ago, so I want to especially welcome those today who are doing the online service. It was, you're our friends. For the last year, that's what Joyce and I were doing, was watching online. So I know that experience, and I, I, I'm glad you're with us this morning. And again, I am good to see you all. It's good to see faces again and to reconnect with some new people that are here. So I'm looking forward today because this morning I'm excited to introduce you to a new sermon series that's going to start in a couple of weeks. I got a head start because Cabot happened to be gone this week. So we have a new sermon series and it's called The Bless Missional Practices. And I'm also this morning going to invite you to go on an adventure, to go on a journey to participate in the mission of God. So we're going to introduce you to a new, uh, ser- uh, a new sermon series, but also invite you to participate in the mission of God more fully. To be honest with you, this journey may disrupt your life. This journey may be full of surprises. It uh, may be uncomfortable at times for some of you. But it could very well be the greatest adventure you ever experience. You know, I was thinking about that and it reminded me of the Peace Corps motto. I don't know if you know the Peace Corps motto. Uh, We uh, happened, Joyce and I spent a summer in Guatemala. And we got to know the Peace Corps worker in Guatemala. And it's one of the interesting things, this is a single woman with very few people from the United States there or spoke English. And she was doing this job. And she loved it. And the motto of the Peace Corps is this. The hardest, it is the hardest job you'll ever grow to love. You know, that's even true for entering into the mission of God. It is the hardest job you'll ever grow to love. About nine years ago, I uh, made a decision that changed the direction of my life. This is the second time in my life I made a major decision like this. At that time, I had worked, th- I was working 30, I had worked 37 years with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And the last 14 years of those, of those uh, time with InterVarsity, I served as the National Director of Evangelism for InterVarsity. And it was, my, it was my intent to end my career in InterVarsity. It was a very successful time for us at that point. We had just finished that the year before. was the 10th year in a row that we had more conversions than the year before. And we saw more people come to Christ over that 10-year period ever in our 50-year history. So we were experiencing success, success at this point. But I was having a quiet time one day, and I got this nudge. Maybe this nudge from the Holy Spirit, who knows? It says, hey, you got one more run left in you. And, you know, the next day I woke up and had my quiet time. And I, you, might, you have one more run left in, in you. So I talked to Joyce about it. I had no idea. 18 months before I could. But it was during that time I discovered what God had for me. And I, part of that was being here with you this morning. It's part of that run. You know, God calls ordinary people to extraordinary journeys all the time. 
God calls ordinary people like you and me to extraordinary journeys all the time. You know, in Genesis 12, we see a person being called by God. And this person being called by God was 75 years old, and he was called to take a trip. And I was thinking about this, 75 years old, and he is called by God to take a trip or go on a mission. It reminded me of what uh, Greg Cruschel, who's pastor of Lightshare, says when he talks about how old are you when you're too old to do the ministry of God. And Greg Cruschel says this, if you're not dead, you're not done. <laughs> if you're not dead, you're not done to hear the ministry and the call of God. You know, if we're looking at the first 12 chapters of Genesis, they are full with big events. As you, think of, as you think about Genesis, it starts with the creation of the heavens and the earth. It, then it talks about the creation of humans. And then it goes to the fall of humans. And then there's this judgment of God with a catastrophic flood. And then we have the Tower of Babel. And now we get to Genesis 12, and the, all the action is moving away from the big events to one individual. And that individual was Abram. So let's look again at the call of Abram in Genesis 12, 1 through 5. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran, from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived. God gives Abraham two commands in these verses. The first was this, very simply, go. And there's two parts to that going. One was to leave something and to go someplace. He was to leave his country, his father's household, the people he knew, what was safe and comfortable, to go to another place. He was to leave uh, a very great commercial city, an urban city, in ancient Mesopotamia, and go to Canaan, which was a barbaric land. I have a map here to show, show you where he had to go. It's, if you can see there, if you look on your right, uh, in the right uh, the, I guess it's your right side, on the bottom, it's probably hard to see, it's too small, but right in the bottom corner is Ur. He went, his father took him up to the top, or the very top, to Haran. And if you could see a Haran on the top, that's where he was living at the time. That's in Mesopotamia. It is an area that was commercialized. It was urban. And he was to go down, if you go on your, to, towards the left side, all the way down to Canaan, which is in the little circle. That's where he was going. It was quite a, a trip. But you know, also what we know about Aram, Abraham at this time, or Abram, was that he was a prosperous and wealthy man. It said he had lots of possessions and he had lots of people. 
What those people were, were the servants to take care of all his possessions. He was well-respected, and he was a community leader. So as you can see, this trip that Abram was called to do was very costly. It cost him financially. It cost him uh, culturally. It cost him physically as well. And he took the trip. Can you imagine... Uh, can you imagine what it was like for Abraham to tell Sarah what was going on? Hey, Sarah, start packing our, start packing our stuff. We're going on a trip. And she says, where are we going? I don't, I'm not exactly sure. And then she says, why are we going there? God told me. And she says, which God? The Lord God Almighty. You know, I think Abraham... It's safe to say that Abraham was a person who could say, without lying, God only knows what's going to be next for us and get away with his, with his wife. <laughs> I don't know how many of us can do that. God only knows we're going to, we're going to go. I'll tell you about those. But the truth he called them is and he wanted to bless this man. God was not neutral towards Abram. And you know what? Today, God is not neutral towards you. He loves you. He wants to bless you. Look at verses 2 and 3. Let's read those. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. This is not a quick, trick question. What was the word that was, was uh, repeated five times in those two verses? Bless. bless, right. God wanted to bless Abraham. And you know what? What's true about his blessing to Abraham, it was a little vague. What does it mean to have a great nation when you don't have any children? How are you going to go and uh, uh, get your name great when you don't have a sense where you're going? But what was really true right from the beginning was the promise, and that promise was this. All the people on the earth will be blessed because of you. What a big trip he's on. All the people on the earth will be blessed with you. But God, this is important to note, God will bless Abraham if he has faith. And Abraham demonstrates his faith by this. He obeys God's command to go. When he decided to go, he received God's blessing and the promise of God going with him. Sometimes we have to go to receive what God has for you. And sometimes we go, and it's risky. It's always difficult to obey God's command. You know, is it, what's he saying to you today? What's in the back of the mind when you're at night? What you're thinking about? What's God want you to do? But what makes it so difficult is this, is giving up the known for the unknown. Right? Putting your complete trust in God's plan for your life. Not knowing the end from the beginning. 
And that's one of the things, you know, as they talk about COVID that made COVID so difficult, was we didn't really know when it was going to end. That's a hard place to be, right? Not really knowing where things are going to end. You know, another thing that makes it difficult to obey God's command is it's, it's difficult explaining it to our, to our friends and family what we're doing. Why are you doing this? What's with you? But you know, the truth is this, but when we trust God that God has our best interest in mind, it can give you an incredible freedom to follow his calling on our life. When you can trust God has your best interest in mind, there's a lot of freedom to follow his call. You could do things you would never imagine you could do because you trust him. And you know what, you know what Abram did? He decided to go, and God blessed him. So the first command God gave Abram was to go. The second was this, to bless the world. He was to go, but he also was to bless the world. And, you know, the bless, the word bless means is to uh, enhance, to add life to the people around us. The Hebrew word is barak, and it means to bestow a power for success or prosperity or fertility. You know, Abram was commanded to reach the world for God by blessing others. This is important for us to realize this. He was to reach the world by blessing others. You know, God draws himself to others who are drawn to him by people like ourselves loving people and blessing people. It's his, it's his pattern. So the question I ask you today, are you, has God blessed you? Has God blessed you? Because if he has blessed you, he's called you to bless others. We've got the same command in a little different form than Abram has in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And that's what it says there. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We, just like Abram, have been called to go. And we're called to make disciples or to bless others, and God promises to go with us. That's God's mission. God wants to bless the world, to reach the world, and he did first through Abram, then the nation of Israel, and he's doing it now through us. If you are blessed, you're called to be a blesser. If you are blessed, you're called to be a blesser. And I think one of the things, uh, one of the takeaways from this morning is this. We need to count our blessings. You know, there's a lot of 
you know, you know, to feel that we're blessed, we need to count what God is doing to you. One of the things that I did in my own life, and it's really helped me through the years, is I have kept a gratitude journal. And so almost every day, I'll write down 10 things that I'm thankful for. And I've done that with our kids and trying to get us to realize that we're blessed people. And, uh, and so we need to, there, but there's barriers for us to understand we're blessed. For example, we become, often become disillusioned and, and miss seeing God's blessing in our lives when we're looking around at others instead. We look around to others. We often compare ourselves with others. What our neighbors have. What, what our friends on Facebook are doing in the social media. What's portrayed as desirable in movies and shows. That becomes what is real blessing. Not what God's giving us. I mean, we're all also he's constantly bombarded with messages of what things we need to have. We need to have more material possessions. We need to have a better job. We need to have uh, find favor or status. All these things prevent us to being content and realize that we're blessed. And one of the things, a final barrier is that sometimes we think everything we have is due to our own effort and not God. What I have is what I've earned. See, I want you to catch this. Adam, Abram obeyed and went. God blessed him. After he blessed him, he called him and he could bless others. Part of the reason we don't complete that chain is we're walling in the fact that we don't feel blessed. And so one of the things I wanted to do this morning is I want you to do a, we're going to do a bless inventory. And if you could put that on the screen. Okay, if you are mentee Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.8, he said, be content if you have food and you have clothing. Be content. But there's nothing wrong with having more. But we have to realize we have more than the rest of the world. I like what Andy Stanley says this about rich people. The problem with rich people is they don't know they're rich. As God bless you with resources. You know what? If you have bad cell phone coverage, that's a rich person problem. <laughs> if you're having trouble deciding where you're going to take your vacation, that's a rich person's problem. If one of your five computers crashes, that's a rich person's problem. And poor you, your flight has been delayed. Another rich person's problem. When you look at resources, has God blessed you with resources? Is that something you could thank him for? The second thing is education. This is, you know, it's really actually pretty good. Right now, 14% of the world can't read or write. Just 50 years ago, that number was 45% of the world could not read or write. 
We've made some good progress in that. But think about this. Every adult in this room probably has, had a, high, has a high school education. 12, 13 years of education most of the world doesn't have. Many of us have had higher education. Have you been blessed with education? If you do, put a check there. Something to thank God for. How about relationships? As I said, one of the things that was really difficult in COVID and people talked about was the uh, isolation, the loneliness that we felt not being with our friends. I would say this. Do you have a friend? A person you can count on. Do you have a church? You're here. Do you have a small group? Friends, you are blessed. You're not alone. If that is something you could say you're blessed with, put a check there. Fourth, how about abilities and skills? Do you have some unique ability or skill that's unique to you that can help you get a job, that can help you help other people? Do you have something you can offer other people that others can't do? I just think about this. I have a mechanical problem at my house, and I go... I fall apart. I don't have any skills there. But people have that skill, and I admire when they have it. Are you blessed with some particular abilities or skills? And you know, if you're a Christian or a follower of Christ, the Scripture says that you have a special gift. And that special gift is to be used to bless others and to use to serve the church. Are you blessed with abilities and skills? How about forgiveness of sin? If you're a follower of Christ, you've been forgiven because of what Christ did on the cross for you. And you know that? You have abundant life. And you can someday stand before God in heaven and He receives you because you've been forgiven. What? What greater gift can you have than that? Are you blessed with the forgiveness of sins? And then finally, the pre- if you're a follower of Christ, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're never alone. You never lack direction because God is living inside of you. Look at this list. How many did you check? All of them. Amen. We are blessed people. And you know what? I would imagine some of us came here this morning and don't feel very blessed. But you are. And you know what's so important is that we must be aware of God's blessing if we're going to set out to bless others. You are more effective in other people's lives when you are a blessed person. Because often what we do is we do things for others out of guilt or responsibility, not because we're blessed. You know, anybody can perform an act of kindness towards someone else. Anybody can do that. But if we truly understand who gave us all our gifts and abilities and opportunities, then we can not only show others love and kindness, but we can give them the opportunity in a relationship. If you God... And yours, 
Somehow, God became. And that's so important. And you know who are, but the question is, who are we called to bless? We're called to bless the same people that Jesus was called to. Right? Who did Jesus come to reach? That's who we're coming, that's who we're to bless. It says in Luke 4, 18 and 19, we don't have this one, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Who is Jesus called to? He was called to the have-nots. He was called to the oppressed. He was called to the under-resourced. We are blessed. Some of our blessing that God has given us is to go towards those people. We bless them. Just some examples. Jesus healed Simon's, Peter's mother-in-law. You know, he went ahead and he, he uh, had supper with an ostracized tax collector. He talked to a marginal woman in John. He also blessed children when everybody said, let those children get away from here. Jesus came to reach those who were oppressed, those who were under-resourced. But you know what else he came to? He came to those who needed a physician. It says in Luke 5, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. He's called also to people far away from God. God wants people who appear to be far away from him, he wants them to have abundant life. He wants them to connect. He wants to connect with them. And how does Jesus connect with them? He connects them through us. And you know what? That person who's far away from God God's not neutral towards them. Those people you think that God would never want in his kingdom, God is not neutral toward them. He loves them. And what that's going to require from us, you know, the problem often in evangelism and outreach, people think people need to be equipped. People need to know how to do it. But when I look at the story in in, uh, Luke chapter 9, The real problem for many of us is do you have compassion for those who are lost? Do you have compassion for those who don't know Jesus yet? Jesus did. Now here's the good news. This is like quite an adventure to be on, to be a blesser, right? Well, in the coming uh, weeks in the new blessed series, we will help you become better blessers. And we'll help you to fulfill more uh, God's mission for the world. We'll help you do that through the Bless series. What is bless? Let me explain to you. It is actually a way of doing outreach to be a blesser. It's a new way of thinking about our neighbors. It's five missional practices to help us introduce people to Christ. 
And it's an easy, natural way to live our faith among unchurched people. These are the five missional blessed practices. If you've been blessed, this is what you can do to bring, help people, to bless others, to help them discover Jesus. What's the first? The first is to be, as you can see, it's an acronym, is to be in prayer. And here's basically the, con- here's the, con- uh, the, uh, the understanding of this, to be in prayer. Has anyone blessed you by praying for you? Has anyone prayed with you for others? Well, the blessed says, if you've been blessed by someone praying for you, pray for someone else. Pretty simple, right? The second thing is to listen with compassion. Has anybody ever listened to you and you felt heard when they listened to you? Can you do that with someone else? That's the blessed practice. Or eat together. Have you ever been accepted by people, invited to eat at someone's home? We bless others by inviting them into your home. I often say this. I may not always be able to go, but I always feel good about getting the invitation, you know, in terms of inviting people into your home. Have you ever been served by others in a way that has changed you for others? Ever told you a story that brought you closer to Christ? We'll be learning more about that as we go through it. And one of the things, talking to people and trying to bless people, what you're going to discover is this, that when you enter into the life of people, you'll discover that Jesus is already there. That's what's so amazing. You go out there and you enter into their life and you discover, oh man, Jesus is already blessing them. He's already drawing them to himself. He's convicting them and convincing them to follow him. So we get out there and think, you know, instead of thinking that we have to generate all the interest, get it all going, no, God's already at work because you know what? He loves those people and he's not neutral towards them. Our task is this. Can we discern where God is working and join in? The truth is that we're actually going to become assistant missionaries because we are partners with the Holy Spirit who actually will be showing us what to do. And I think that's encouraging. When, when we have been using the uh, blessed practices and we're churches that have been doing it, one of the things from the congregants is always true. People say this, I can do this. I can do this. And you know what's good about it? It's biblical. It's easy. And it's simple. And I would say this to you. There is nothing greater in all of life than to be involved in someone who moves from death to life. And friends, we can do that as we become blessers. Because God is preparing people for us. You may ask the question, does the bless practices really work? And I want to share a little research that has been done on the bless practices. There's a book called The Missional Entrepreneur, Principles and Practices for Mission as Mission. This is a book that was written by a a theologian and a media specialist named 
Mark Russell. And he has this case study on the blessed practices. Okay? So these are, these are 12 businesses as mission. They go into a, a, another country and, and set up a business. And he looked at 12 businesses in Thailand. Six of the companies that he, he researched and, and studied, prim, their primary focus was to develop a businesses that succeeded, to hire people, to create more uh, uh, money for the Thai economy. Influencing people towards, their, towards faith was a secondary goal. And that was a byproduct of their businesses. Conversion was not their main, was not their main focus. And he called this group the blessers. On the other hand, there's there another set of six businessmen who had conversion as their top priority. They developed a successful business byproduct to convert people. More concerned of economic improvement group, uh, did much more social good, employed more Thai people, and generated more income. These are the blessers. That was their goal. But you know what was surprising? They converted more people, too. And the ratio, as you see there, the ratio was 48 to 1. Surprisingly, the blessers saw 96 people come to Christ over several years, where the converters saw two. And so why was there so much disparity? And there's lots of factors for that. The blessers blessed so many people, built more deeply genuine relationships, hired people for the long term, created greater income and capital in the community. They built deeper trust. The people listened to them when they found the right time to talk about Jesus. The Thais were generally interested in what they had to say, and they were in, very influenced by their laid-back manner of sharing their faith. Now, on the other hand, the converters never really became part of the community. Because why? Because their agenda overshadowed their relationships. People do not care for our agendas unless, we know they, unless they know that we get them and that we care and are committed to their well-being. People want to know we're real. They want authentic relationships. Just like God called Abram to do, he called Israel to do, and he called us to do. It works. Our job here at LifeSpring is to be blessers to this community. And as we bless them, it's unbelievable what God can do. But if our job is just try to convert them, in many cases we don't take the time to build trusting long-term relationships. That's what we're going to learn about in a couple of weeks. I hope, you're, I hope at least 
excites you to hear the next message that we'll learn about in terms of being in prayer. But there is some next steps I'd like to leave us with today. One of the things you could do is, why don't you develop a list of people who are unchurched, who you have regular contact with? Start thinking about who are people who are unchurched that you have regular contact with. Think about friends. Think about relatives. Think about acquaintances. Colleagues. Neighbors. Start building that list. And then start praying for some of those that God's calling you to pray for. And pray that God will bless them this week. You know, you can bless someone this week that you have on your list by just giving a phone call, by writing a note, by a visit. Meet a particular need that you're aware of. You can be a blessing. Let's start blessing right now. Because the truth is, I know you can do this. And God wants us to do it. And I think um, we're it's excited at what we're going to be doing over the next couple of months to learn how to be blessers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you love us very much. And we thank you for how good you are to us and how many things that you bless us over and over again. Father, I pray that you forgive us for we don't, when we are not looking at what you've done for us and not seeing the blessings you give us in our life. Help us to be people who are grateful and content. And Father, I pray as we enter into this new series uh, that we would be people that want to learn, that want to be involved, and we will be able to bless others, and we will see people changed because of our first steps and little steps towards you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.